0: Well, greetings, all of our family and friends. We want to welcome you to our Freedom Global Prophetic Podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you. We believe God is going to speak to us in a great and awesome way. We're glad you're here. I'm going to give you just a minute as you're joining in to share the podcast, to like the podcast. Again, do that work of the evangelist. What What is the work of the evangelist? And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we believe, as we do, that God would get glory and that his name would be exalted and that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached in all the world until he come. There is a mandate and a mission to release the good news of the kingdom. And yes, Jesus is coming. We believe that to be true. But before he comes for us, he is coming through us. So thank you for joining us. So good to see you. Sister Melissa, so good to see you. Shamila, welcome to the podcast. Jeffrey, welcome. Gloria, welcome. We're praying God's favor and blessing. I'm doing the same. I'm hitting that share button. I'm praying that the impact and the influence of the word of God would uh, continue to uh, impact the hearts and minds of the people of God and that he would get glory in this time. So if you can, I'm going to ask you again to share the podcast like the podcast, let somebody know we're on. Bless you, Ada. Welcome to the podcast. We're thankful that you're here. We're going to pray that God's word would go forth and that we would hear from him in a mighty, mighty way, believing God to add increase to the hearer of the word and that what is spoken would be impacted. Uh, So good to see you, Jaime. Welcome to to the podcast. We're praying the blessing of the Lord over you and your household. So thank you for joining us we believe God is going to speak in, in a mighty way today and that God is going to get the glory through everything we're doing and through everything that we are believing to see in our generation. So thank you for being with us. I'm going to ask you one more time if you would share the podcast. Again, do that work of the evangelist and we're praying that God would be glorified in everything that we do. Thank you for joining us sister sandra again one more time if you would share if you would like if you would hit the follow button there's a three buttons you can hit follow and be notified every time we go live we're praying that god would be glorified victoria martinez thank you for being with us it is november 1st we are in a new season and in a new time we've got two months left in the Gregorian calendar, in the Western calendar, and we believe God is aligning us for things, for places, and for assignments. Bless you, Alma. Thank you, Sister Gloria, for sharing. The Lord bless you. We, as you see, I'm wearing our raising the altar shirt. We just concluded a raising the altar in Lancaster. Shout out to Pastor Eddie and Yadira Barragon and the WHO World Harvest Christian Outreach team in Lancaster. God was glorified. The presence of God moved in a mighty way and we're grateful for all that he's done and yet about to do, but we are preparing in just a week and a half to be in Pretoria East In uh, the nation of South Africa with Wilmer and Natasha Grove. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it will be a team of apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, bless you, Nadine. So good to see you woman of God. Welcome to the podcast, uh, sister, um, Again, Sister Melissa, Sister Julie, thank you for sharing, Sister Julie. Sister, uh, Brother Alex, thank you for joining. Linda, thank you for being with us. Again, we will be uh, in just 10 days or so, and that's going to be November 10th through the 12th in Pretoria, in Jo uh near johannesburg a couple of mile, a couple hours outside of johannesburg pretoria in south africa with our b church family it's going to be amazing you don't want to miss that god is going to minister mightily so we're talking this week about raising the altar We're going to our key verse, Romans 8, verse 21, and we're going to start there about freedom that comes from the raising of an altar. We believe that ultimately the freedom that we're looking for, bless you, Lupita, so good to see you. Uh, Joseph, welcome to the podcast. Uh, We're believing that God is moving pastora Lorraine, the Lord bless you. It's good to see you at the raising the altar and your husband. God moved tremendously in Lancaster, and we've got uh, just a couple more months in this gregorian calendar and god is going to be glorified and we believe we're going to see him in a mighty mighty way so let's go and start and and, uh, with a word of prayer heavenly father we come before you ask you to speak to our hearts open up our understanding our wisdom our counsel grant us revelation wisdom the knowledge of god and speak to our hearts the word of truth i pray according to your word that you would get glory that you would get honor, that you would speak to us in a great way, and that we would be changed for your glory and your honor. Minister mightily through this podcast, and let wisdom and glory flow. Let the power of your blessing be seen. I ask you for miracles, signs, and wonders to accompany the teaching and preaching of your word, that you would get glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree, say amen. Uh, so good to see you, uh, Sister Rose Bonet. Welcome, uh, Apostle Angela. So good to see you. Thank you for being with us. The Lord bless you. Uh, we're going to get straight to the word again, Romans chapter number 8 and verse 21. The Bible says, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. And in order for there to be freedom in any nation of the world, not just America, not just South Africa, not just London, UK, Pakistan, any nation of the world, there must be glory that produces freedom that is governed by the sons and daughters of God. We were made for rulership. We were made for dominion. We were called as sons and daughters to contend, to resist, to to uh, to uh, oppose godless leadership. We're not to submit to godlessly. I know Romans thirteen speaks about praying for authority, but the Bible also tells us, according to the Book of Daniel, when there are unrighteous decrees. Daniel chapter six, uh, a decree comes, and the Bible says Daniel six that Daniel knew the writing had been been made unto law. Daniel six, right about verse ten. He, he knew that the writing had been made law. And when he knew the writing had been signed, that there was no prayer allowed except to the king, that it was illegal to pray for a period of time. And this was a decree that was made law. When he knew the writing, he went into his house. He opened up his windows uh, and pointed toward Jerusalem and knelt down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks as he did before. So as soon as he knew there was an an unrighteous law passed, he could not, he could not surrender that. So I'm going to tell you, let me encourage you. We pray for leadership. We are to be law abiding citizens. But when the law of the earth uh, contradicts the law of the kingdom, you must stand up righteously and integrally and respectfully and say, I refuse to bow to your statue. Another law in Babylon comes and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego are the only ones who will not bow. The king has a visitation, a dream interpreted, and he makes a statue that reaches heaven and says, whenever the flute is blown, whenever the music, everyone in the kingdom is to bow down to my statue. And Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said, king, do with me what you will, but we are not careful you to answer in this matter. Uh, 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 Our God is well able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your statue. Righteous, righteous and godly resistance to tyranny is scripturally mandated. The book of Acts, that's Old Testament. The book of Acts, they came and the Sanhedrin said, don't preach the name of Jesus again. Do not preach this name. They beat them and kicked them out. And they said, shall we obey God or man? And they kept preaching Jesus. So let me encourage you. Obey the speed limit. Let me encourage you. Pay your taxes. Let me encourage you do not steal, do righteously, but in the in the context of kingdom, we must stand for righteousness to the point where we're willing to risk our lives. Now, I know that's not popular because our Christianity has become comfortable Christianity. It's become comfortable. It's about comfort, it's about ease. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about laying our life down. But in order to be a part of the New Testament church in the book of Acts, you had to be willing to lay down your life. Go to Acts chapter one, verse eight. The Bible says, after that, the spirit comes upon me, you will receive power to be witnesses. Now the word witness is not testify, though it is, it is the word martyria from the word martyr. So you are given power to die to yourself. And in that time, in that specific era, they were dying for Jesus. They were they were they were being uh uh, uh they were being uh, persecuted to the degree that they were being uh, uh crucified, they were being martyred and burned at the stake, they were being fed to lions, they were willing to die for this name that we become so complacent about. So the kingdom of God is a kingdom that requires you to be willing to die, but if you gain lose your life, you find it. And if you forsake it, then you you get it back. If you seek to save it, you lose it lose it but if you lose it for his sake you find it go back to Romans eight twenty one. so here is what the scripture says bless you sister Danny sister Violet so good to see you bless you uh is this on Facebook it is it should be on this rock international on our Facebook page sister Nadine it should be on Facebook bless you brother Danny we had a little bit of delay starting uh, there were some technical issues but Romans 829 says because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage the slavery of corruption and earth gets into corruption so we're going to first 1 Kings 1830 again we're going to talk a little bit about freedom from an altar. When an altar is raised up in the name of Jehovah, freedom comes to that nation. Freedom comes to that land. In 1 Kings 18 and verse 30, in the chapter 18, we find that there has been a famine for three and a half years. Let me give you back context to this verse that the king, Ahab, is under the influence of Jezebel. Jezebel is a fake prophet fake prophetic voice, an imitation of the authentic, and this spirit of Jezebel, this spirit has crept its way into the palace, and now Jezebel has put in the prophets of Baal, and raised up the altars of Baal, and torn down the altars of Jehovah, and because the king has come into uh, intimacy, and pollution, and contamination with this spirit of Baal, The prophet rises up and says, King, if you do not repent, there will be no rain until I say so, except at my word. And now for three and a half years, there's been no rain. There's a famine in the land that the nation of Israel is backslidden. They are worshiping altars of Baal and God commands a prophet in their generation to stand up. God bless you, uh, Brother Danny, to stand up and to raise up an altar. And you say, what good is an altar? What good? How can that change anything? You see, we are not battling with flesh and blood, though there are are flesh and blood issues on the table, economy, wars, uh, uh, military, tanks, uh, missiles and guns and and, uh, famines and pestilence. These things are physical things that have a spiritual root. So you're not battling with flesh and blood. You are battling according to Ephesians six with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high place. And I'm gonna repeat it again. We are not battling with earthly powers. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring after the flesh. So this earthly battle has a spiritual source. And so this is why the church is vital. It is paramount. It is most important that the church is praying. It's hearing the mind of God. It's seeking the the thoughts of God to pray, to prophesy, to seek the things of God. Elijah called the people near. And he repaired, he healed the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. Because an altar is an access point. An altar is a meeting place between God and man. An altar is a a place of encounter. It's where divinity touches humanity. It's where the spirit touches the earth. It's where the, the anointing of God has permission to come into the earth. You say, what does that mean, permission? God gave dominion to man. Man has dominion. That means he can choose life or death. He can choose to serve God. He can choose to serve the devil. But here is what 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says. We're going back to 1 Kings in a minute. So God commands Elijah to build an altar, to call the people near, to pray, to seek God, to raise up an altar. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. he said, If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then what I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal the land. The land is what we are to contend for. The people will be changed when the land has a curse removed from it. You remember in the book of, uh, uh, book of Matthew, chapter number three, that the, Jesus is baptized. At the end of the chapter, the word goes into the water or into the earth, comes out of the water and out of the earth, and now the heavens open. When a word, a son or daughter, is fully righteous, fully mature, fully developed, a weos, they are sown into the earth, and when they come out up, when they come out, when they die spiritually but rise again, when they sow themselves, the heavens open. And now the curse that is on the ground is removed. And when the curse that is on the ground is removed, the earth responds to you and I the way it responded to Jesus. See, you're not to pray the king come, you're to pray the kingdom come. Your job, Matthew 6, to pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, worshipped, separated, sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And the reason we need the kingdom to come because the king lives inside of you and me. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Christ in me. He lives in me. He lives in you. And we're not to pray the king to come. The king is already here. The king lives in me. See, Jesus was annoyed when Philip asked him, show me the father. He said, don't you understand, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, I walk in his name. I t- when I move, I move in his authority. I speak his words. And peop- you should. It, it's a, it should be a little annoying. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. Now, yes, he's physically coming to take us out of here. But I'll say this before he comes for us. He's coming through us. I'll say that again. Before he comes to get us and take us out of here, he's coming through us to have something called the day of the Lord. The hour of our God, the church in whom the gates of hell will not prevail, the church that gets the keys of the kingdom and binds and loose everything in the earth as it is in heaven. The church that is glorious without spot and wrinkle. The army of Joel chapter 2 that arises and the Bible says they fall upon the sword and it doesn't harm them. They are bulletproof. They are fireproof. They run like mighty horsemen. They walk in their ranks. There's never been a people like them. Neither will there be a people unto many generations. The fire of God is before them and behind them the flame burns and nothing shall escape the army of God. The Ezekiel 37 army, bone to bone, flesh to flesh, flesh sin you to sin you a remnant come out of a graveyard. there is a graveyard of believers that are dead the bones are very dry but God raises up a prophetic generation like a like Ezekiel to prophesy the bones. you see God isn't going to use the sinew of yesterday. God isn't going to use the flesh of yesterday. God isn't going to use anything from yesterday but the bones. The bones symbolize the the core structure of yesterday. There's something yesterday God is going to use today. But everything else will be new flesh, new bones, new eyes, new hands, new feet. But the bones of yesterday, the, the ancient structures are going to come. And that people are going to rise up and according to Ezekiel 37 become a mighty army. An army in the hand of the Lord. Fulfilling the will of our maker, fulfilling the assignment of our God. Go back to 1 Kings 18.30. So here is what takes place now that God, according to this, calls the prophet to gather the people. I want to tell you, every people need a prophet and every prophet need a people. Every sheep need a shepherd and every shepherd needs a sheep like prophet, like people, like shepherd, like sheep. You're not to be disconnected. You're not to be disjointed. You're not to be in this thing by yourself. God wants to show you who your shepherd is. God, now yes, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. He is the chief shepherd that we give an account to, but there are under shepherds in the earth realm that God wants to connect you to. God is your God, but you need an Elijah. I need need an Elisha, I need a Deborah, a Ruth, somebody in my life that is going to gather me and draw me near to, to them as I draw near to Christ. He drew them near and he healed the altar. Verse 31, the Bible says after he healed the altar, then the Bible says he took 12 stones according to the number of the 12 tribes, 12 stones, 12 tribes, 12 stones, 12 tribes, this is a principle, 12 apostles in the first uh, uh, the first order, 12 in heaven, 24 elders, the old and the new joining together. This is a principle that God takes one stone for one tribe. This is the principle of ecclesia, that one represents the many, that when you find the one, the one speaks on behalf of the many a Senate should work this way, that a senator is elected from among the people to speak on behalf of the many. And there were 12 tribes and there were 12 spies and 10 of them had an evil report and two of them had a good report. You've got to be careful. The one you elect to speak for you is speaking the report of the Lord and not the report of the enemy. I must say this again. You are a people and the people must Ecclesia elect someone to speak on their behalf. And what the one says, the many say, and you are a part of the tribe. And your voice, your angel, your messenger, your preacher must be speaking what is the, the Lord is saying in this hour, in this season. Hear me by the spirit. Twelve tribes, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, saying Israel will be that name. Remember, God is dealing with Jacob and telling them they're going to be Israel. You have a new name. You have a new identity. You have a new calling. You were Jacob, but now you are Israel. And God is dealing with who you will be, not just who you are now. Verse number 32. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name. Then he built an altar. Then he raised an altar, but that altar symbolized the name of the Lord. So each stone represented a letter in the name of God. 12 stones, 12 letters, 12 vowels, 12 synonyms, whatever that the sound that made that letter made, they all represented a piece. It wasn't 10 stones. It wasn't eight pieces. It wasn't five pieces. It wasn't seven, though seven is a good number. It had to be 12. It symbolized the name of God, and he built an altar, then he dug a trench. He made space for the fire to fill. You got to dig a hole. What does that mean? You got to dig deep in the earth you've got to go deep into yourself and let God heal and deliver. Verse number 33 the scripture says, and he put wood in order. He he began to cut something and 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 prepare an altar. So first he builds the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he digs a trench for the water to go, for the for the fire to come and consume later. He makes space in the earth So that what looks like a burial plot is not your burial plot. It's actually your planting plot. You are not buried, you are planted. Buried and planted looks the same. Buried means something's dead and you're leaving it alone. Planted means you sowed it and it's coming back with more than you left it. You don't get something the same way you sowed it. It comes back 30, 60, and 100 fold. So 31 The Bible says he begins to build it in the name of the Lord. 32, he begins to erect or raise up the altar and then build the trench. 33, then he takes wood and puts wood in order. He takes wood and cuts it and puts it in order. Then he puts the bullock in pieces in order. Then he cuts this thing. The cuts of the kingdom are ordained for a purpose. We heard this. When you're making meat, sometimes you will fillet the meat and you will cut the meat on the inside so the fire can penetrate the inside of the sacrifice, the inside of the steak, the inside of the chicken. We are living sacrifice and most of us, if not all of us have been cut and wounded and the cuts are not to make us bitter to make us angry to make us frustrated the cuts are are to allow the fire to get deep enough to heal and to consume that which is uninconsumable it's it's to purify that which would pollute the palate of the eater of that thing so god is allowing kingdom cuts kingdom kingdom uh, precision and kingdom circumcision then he laid the wood And now, he said, fill the barrels with water, four of them, and pour it on the sacrifice. Four barrels. Verse 34, the Bible says, he said, do it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. So he takes four barrels. Remember, we are in famine. There is no water. There is drought. In America, when there is drought, you're not allowed to water your grass. They catch you watering your grass more than once a week or whatever they allot. They will fine you. They will ticket you. They won't put you in prison, but you will pay a high price. In a famine, you don't use water sparingly. And they didn't have much water, but the prophet didn't say, give me one barrel. He said, give me four barrels, and I need you to dump the four barrels three times. Four times three is 12. 12 barrels, 12 12 times of blessing, 12 times of outpouring. The scripture says he did it four times. See, each sacrifice represented each tribe, which represented the nation of the people of God. Go to the next verse number five. I'm giving you a breakdown. Then the water ran around the altar and it filled the place that was dug. The water filled it. Then the fire filled it. First it's water baptism. Then it's fire baptism. First there's a purification and then there's a glorification. First God is going to wash. Then God is going to illuminate. First God is going to cleanse. And then God's going to accelerate this thing with fire. 36 tells us. And it came to pass. In the time of the offering. That Elijah the prophet came near. And said to God. Then Elijah prayed. Then he prayed. Prayer without prerequisites in order has little effect. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. You should always pray. But when you pray and you've, you've put in order the prerequisites of prayer, when you've laid an altar and you've made space, one prayer will release a hundred blessings instead of trying to pray a hundred times to get one blessing. We become now effective in prayer. James says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous. Effective prayer is precision prayer. It's not praying at the wind, hoping we hit our target. It's not a machine gun of prayer. It is a sniper of prayer. It is a targeted attack that with one button, once you pre, once you fulfill the prerequisites of prayer, the power and the glory and the authority of God receives on an altar your one prayer. Go down to verse 38, the Bible says, after he finished praying, after he concluded calling on the Lord, go back to 37 actually, we'll read verse 37. He said, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this your people may know that you are the Lord And that you've turned their heart back again. One of the things the altar does is it turns the heart of the nation back to Jesus. I'll say that again. One of the things, uh, an altar that has been uh, uh, elevated or erected properly, it touches the heart of a generation. And where they were backslidden and running from God, when the fire of God fells, they all fall on their face. And they return to Jesus. This nation will call on the name of Jesus again. I said nations will call on the name of Jesus. I said nations will call on the name of Jesus again. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. He's praying that the people may know that you are God and that that Baal is not. You see, one thing a fire does and glory does, when it manifests, it reveals who God is with. And it reveals who God is not with. I'll say that again. When the fire of God falls, it manifests that I am with Elijah and that I'm not with the prophets of Baal. I want to make it clear to you. Not everybody who says Jesus is on the side of Jesus. Not everyone that says Lord, Lord is actually allowing him to lead. For many will preach and prophesy and say, I've done this in your name and that in your name. The fruits will bear witness. But when the fire falls, it confirms who God is on. Bless you, prophetess, apostle Dara. So good to see you. And who God is not on. Who God is with. Bless you, chosen few. Thank you for joining us. The Lord bless you. God wants to manifest on some. He wants all to get it. But sometimes there's things that need to be redirected and things that need to be torn down so things can be elevated. Verse number 37 says, God wants the hearts of men to turn back to him. He's always wanted the hearts of men. He never wanted money. He wanted your heart because where your heart is, that your treasure is. He never wanted your church church attendance. He wanted your heart, though you must attend somewhere and be a part of some gathering. And it's not for the sake of gathering. It's because we gather to govern Spiritually, When you come into a place, an ecclesia is not a church gathering the way we think, religious, though it is worship and piety. It is a governmental term. You gather to legislate. Spiritual authority in the region is activated. When those that know his name and know his nature come together. We are gathered to govern our territory. We speak a thing and God establishes. We declare a thing that is not as though it is and it becomes as it is. Verse 38, here is what it says, and the fire of God fell. Bless you, Sister Eunice. Bless you, Spring. So good to see you. We gathered to govern. We are not gathering to sing a song. We're not gathering just to, to fulfill a religious obligation so God puts an attended a mark on our, on our scorecard in heaven. It doesn't work that. We gather to decree a thing and it's established in the earth. We gather to prophesy to dead things and arise, We gather as light in the darkness, as salt in the earth. One job light has, it is to expel the darkness. One job salt has, it is to savor It is to preserve and it is to create a thirst. It is to produce a savor which is a flavor of God. It is to preserve, to heal, to deliver, but it is also to create a thirst. And what good is salt that loses its savor? It's therefore good for nothing except to be trodden under the feet of men. And I want to tell you, we are not good for nothing believers. We are not called to blend in. We are called to be light in the midst of darkness. And one job, the number one job of the light, it is to expel the darkness. It's not to talk to darkness. It's not to compromise with darkness. It's not to reason with darkness. When the light shows up, darkness has to flee. When the light shows up, the the, the enemy has to run. When the kingdom of God manifests, the fire of God falls. I'm going to say it. The fire of God fell. And when the fire fell, it looked for a sacrifice. See, fire will come in worship encounters, in prayer meetings. Fire will come. It will hover around the meeting. It will create in an atmosphere. It will come, but you notice after we stop what we were doing and go back to normal, it lifts. You ever notice that the fire of God falls on a meeting it falls during worship the fire of God is starting to come during the preaching of the word it's coming during the altar and then we change the direction of the service because of order because of protocol and now what's there lifts and now we're back to normal our regularly scheduled program when the fire of God falls it's searching for a sacrifice A sacrifice will cause the fire to begin to burn and consume. The word consume means to devour, to eat. The fire eats sacrifice. It eats sacrifice of praise. It eats sacrifice of fasting. It eats the sacrifice of prayer and and intercession. It eats the sacrifice of a gift. It eats the sacrifice. And when God's fire shows up, we do not light fire. God lights the fire. We kindle fire. God lights the fire and we maintain the altar. We keep putting wood on the fire. You see, there was an outer court, an inner court, and a holies of holies in the tabernacle of Moses. The outer court had natural light. The inner court had holy spirit candlelight. But the holies of holies had Shekinah light. We got to get back to the holies of all. Here is what Hebrews says. He says that the, the way into the holies of holies had not yet been manifested. Hebrews 10, 19 says, we have access into the holies of all through the blood of Jesus. So you couldn't get there. The common man could not get there through the the blood of bullocks and goats. And only the high priest could go in once a year with fear and with trembling. I'm going to say that uh, with fear and with trembling. And so you couldn't get in there if you were not a high priest and a lineage. But I want to tell you because the veil was rent from top to bottom. Now a way has been made into the holies of holies. And now we can go into the holies of holies with boldness to the blood of Jesus. So this whole concept of worship is about getting you and I behind the veil. Man was made for the glory the way the fish is made for the water. Man was made for the glory the way a bird was made for the air. Man was made for the glory the way the plant was made to be sown into the soil of the earth. If you remove a fish from the water, the fish begins to die. You remove a plant from the soil, the plant begins to die. If a star falls from heaven, the star begins to die. When it leaves the environment that God made, because the Bible says God made the, made the plant from the earth made the fish from the water, and from the firmament made the stars. So God made the substance from the thing it lives in. Man was made from the glory, and when man left the glory, man began to die. Man was never, so man is two-part humus man, spirit in a body, spirit man. So he's a spirit, Genesis 1 and he's a body, Genesis 2 7. In Genesis 1, 26, God brings the body and the, or the spirit into existence. Genesis 2, 7, he gives the spirit a body. You were a spirit before you were a body. You were spirit before you were a body. You were spirit first, then God gives body, spirit a body. And now, but it's regenerated body. And so it's not fallen earth. The earth that man was made from was blessed earth. See, when man fell, God didn't curse man, because even God cannot curse what he already blessed. Once God blesses, he can't take it back. That's why in Genesis 1.28, God says he blessed man and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So when man fell, God never cursed man, God cursed the ground. And man's body was made of ground. So now the body of man, instead of regenerating every day, begin to die every day. So man before the fall was, uh, was ground that regenerated in heavenly soil every day. And so when man fell, he left the tree, the garden, because he now partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Are you hearing by the Spirit? He began to know good apart from God and know evil apart from God. So now here was the issue. Man could call evil what God called good, and man could call good what God called evil. He had his own compass apart from Jehovah, and that's what we see today. Men calling evil what God calls good, and men calling good what God calls evil. It's good to love everybody, yes, but you got to live holy and right. It's good It's good to be acceptance of everybody, yes. but the book tells us what's true and what's right, not your opinion and not my opinion. So the Bible tells us of this of this glory that man was made for. And when man fell, he departed from the glory. And so man was originally intended to live behind the veil forever. You were always meant to live in the glory of God. You were made in the glory. And when you get to the glory, you get back to your original state. So Jesus tore the veil and made a way into the holies of all. Are you hearing me? You're made to live in that place. You're made to go in boldly into the holies of holies through the blood of Jesus. You can go where only the high priest could go once a year with fear and trembling and much blood. But you don't come in afraid. You come in bold because your father owns it all. Because you don't come in the blood of bulls or goats. You come in the matchless blood of Jesus having your conscience cleansed from dead works. Are you hearing me? So the outer court, now, you understand in in the scripture, I'm going to give you this. In the scripture, if you say John 14, 6, they can put that up. John chapter 14, verse number 6 tells us Jesus made a statement. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. To me, that sounds wonderful. To the Jewish mind, to to the mind that knows the tabernacle, the outer court was called the way. The inner court was called the truth, and the holies of holies was called the place of life. So when Jesus said, I am the way, he said, I'm the outer court. Then he said, if you want to go a little deeper, then you can go to the inner court. But if you want to come behind the veil, you can come into the holies of holies through me. See, Jesus' body was the outer court. The word outer court and, and, and the way are the same. You enter through the straight gate. The gate. He said, enter through the straight gate. The straight gate is at the eastern entrance. And in order to get through the eastern entrance, I know I'm getting a little deep here, but the veil has four colors. It has blue, it has purple, it has red, and it has white. They symbolize the four elements in the world. The four elements. It is earth. uh, You have earth. You have water. You have fire. Earth. Water. Fire. Earth. And wind. Earth water, fire, and wind, wind, air, air is blue, water or sea is purple, fire is red, and white symbolizes the flax that made the white high priest, the earth. So these four elements you must go through. See, they believe, the Hebrew mind believe, once you went through one veil, you left the earth dimension and entered a heavenly realm. So the moment I entered the first eastern gate, I left the earthly atmosphere and I entered the outer court where the bronze and where the bronze altar was, where we lay sacrifice. And on the bronze altar, there was a transfer of sin and innocence. So the priest would take the sin that is on the man and take the innocence that is on the sheep or the goat or the sheep or the bull or the the dove and transfer. And there would be a change of guilt for innocence, There would be an exchange for purity, for perversion. And the sacrifice, there would be a transfer of sin for righteousness. And that's what the first altar is about. The bronze altar is about a transfer that you can know you're a son, know you're a daughter, know you're a child of God. Then you move from the brazen altar to the labor of washing, the bronze place of cleansing by the washing of the water. You see, Jesus said, I'm the sacrifice. Then he became the washing of the water by the word. I am the rivers of living water. The terminology of Jesus was 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 Old Testament ark of the ark of the covenant, the the tabernacle of Moses terminology. I'm the rivers of living water, and the priests would go to this to the side of the laver, and they would be washed to be uh, to be those who would be dedicated to work inside the holy place. They would put blood on their right ear, their right thumb, and their right f- finger to symbolize their hearing, their actions, and their walkings was now dedicated to the Lord. Dedicated. To the Lamb, and they would wash and cleanse on the bottom of the laver, were mirrors so they could see a reflection. And when you look into the Word, you're supposed to see not your face, but the face of God. When you look into the mirror of the Word, James says. He that beholds his face in a mirror, be a doer, not a hearer. For everyone who's a hearer, not a doer, is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. So is he that looks at the perfect law of liberty. The Bible, the word is a mirror to see the face of God. I'm speaking a lot, but catch it by the Holy Ghost. You come through the brazen altar, you come through the Eastern gate, and you go through the washing of the water. Then you go through the veil into the door. He said the gate and the door, the door to the first holy place is called the door. The door to the outer court is called the gate and the, the door to the, the, the holy place is called the veil. You go through the gate, you go through the door, then you go through the veil. Three dimensions. You go through the door and Jesus is the door. And you had to be priest in lineage to get into the holy place. But now you were kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek. Now you're a holy nation and a royal priesthood according to Peter. Now according to Revelation 5.10, he made you kings and priests unto God. You have a priestly lineage and now you are of the tribe of Judah, which whom there was no priest. But Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek and you come in and eat the the, the bread of face. It's called the bread of presence, the bread of face and the bread of purpose. And you eat the bread and you eat the purpose and you eat the face and you see him and you remember. That's why when you eat the body of Jesus, you remember him, you remember who you were. Then the seven spirits of God are to the left, and they are. Uh, it's a candlestick with seven spirit, seven, uh, seven uh, legs, seven arms, and the the menorah that that symbolizes the seven spirits of God: the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit uh, of understanding, the spirit of knowledge. These seven spirits are activated by the Holy Spirit, which is illumination. Then you go to the golden altar, put worship on the altar. Worship is the key to the glory. Outer court, uh, Thanksgiving. Inner court, praise. To get to the behind the veil, you've got to worship on the on the golden altar. You don't put flesh, you don't put animal blood. You only put sweet smelling aroma. You only put prayer and worship before God. And there you go to the holy of holies, which is the Ark of Covenant, and inside is the the manna, which is the bread. That came from heaven. Inside is the rod of Aaron's bud. That the, the order of proper. I said the order of proper priesthood. Not fake priesthood. True priesthood. And inside are the commands of God. That Moses got on the mountain. And above the ark is a mercy seat. And the cherubim guard the glory of the Lord. And there's only room for one man in the holies of holies. And that man is Christ Jesus our Lord. And in order for you to get in. You've got to put him on. And go into the holies of holies. And you as the younger brother put on the elder brother. I'm talking to somebody. The whole of this thing is about you and I getting to the holies of holies. And the job of the holies of holies is that we go into the holies of holies and offer sacrifice and atonement for our sin and for the sin of nations. That's the job. That's why Jesus made a way for us to get into the holies of holies. So we can make atonement and we can offer sacrifice. Jesus already did it once, yes, but when you get in the holies of holies, it's not just for you and your bills and your kids, though it is, it's for nations. Nations are decided in the holies of holies. The outer court is for transformation. It is for justification. The inner court is for sanctification, and the holies of holies is for glorification. I'm talking to a few of you that know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm speaking truth because we're meant to go beyond the veil and we are the mobile tabernacle, but God wants the tabernacle of David. See the tabernacle in the tent was a mobile tent that moved. That's you and I, this is the way the truth and the life. You've got to go through the way he's the bread of life. He, he is the, he is the, the fire. He's the baptizer of fire. He is the rivers of living water. He's the bread of heaven. He is the living sacrifice, the Lamb of God. You see, he is all these typing shadows to get you and I behind the veil. I've got to pray for you. First Kings 18, 38. Then the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice that was on the burn It consumed. And the Bible says, and it consumed the wood. It consumed the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Theologians don't like this terminology to lick because it doesn't seem very proper. But it shows the hunger and the thirst of of the fire for true sacrifice of what is scarce. When you give what is scarce, when you give what is valuable, time, energy, finance, the, the Holy Ghost consumes it to the degree that it would lick that thing up. Because there was a famine in the land. It was very scarce. I know we don't like that terminology. But it showed the measure of thirst and hunger for this kind of sacrifice. Verse 39, as we're going to pray. He was with the scriptures. And when the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Again, he said, Jehovah is God. Not Baal. Not Buddha. Not Muhammad. No other name but the name Above every name. Now the nation turns back to God in one moment. I want to tell you, God is looking for living sacrifice. I want to pray with you. You're listening to me. You and I were made to walk in the glory. The made to be glory carriers. New Testament, Ark of the Covenants that carry the glory, that carry the fire, that carry dominion in the earth realm. You were made for this. I was made. You, you. Until you get in the glory, you're not in your, your original state. You're not made for death. You're not made for sickness. You don't know how to be sick. You don't know how to stay poor. You don't know how to stay bound. It's, it's against your original nature. You were made, according to Genesis 1.26, in the image, in the likeness, for dominion over all the earth, over the heavens and over the earth and over the waters. You were made for that. I've got to pray with you. I'm out of time. If you're listening, I want to tell you, no matter what it is you're going through, you may be going through the outer court, building a new nature, going through washing, being justified. And in Christ, we are justified. You may be going through the inner court. The way is outer court. The inner court is truth. That's the place where you get truth that makes your mind free. You eat the bread. You partake of the the Holy Spirit, which unlocks the seven spirits of God wisdom, revelation, knowledge, the mind of God. Then you become a true worshiper at the golden altar and offer sweet aroma to the presence all the time. All that you just bring sweet aroma all the time. And then God makes a way for you to go in to see the glory of the Shekinah of God shining bright and ruling in that place. Outer court, sunlight, inner court, candlelight. But the holy of holies is governed by the Shekinah. The Shekinah of God. You're made for that because of the blood. Let me pray with you. Lord, I pray over every hearer of the word today. Every man and woman under the sound of my voice, under attack, under oppression, under de- and under demonic, uh, demonic uh, oppression over families and loved ones and generation. But I decree in the name of Jesus, these men were made for power. These women were made for authority. They've been made in the image and the likeness for the glory. That as we raise up altars, places of encounter with God in the nations of the world, I ask you for strength and virtue to come upon these men. I ask you for anointing and power to hit these women, that they be fortified to know the truth that makes them free. Give us way, give us truth, and give us life. I said give us the way that leads to life. Give us truth and give us life. I ask you now, strengthen every hearer, encourage every soul, cause the light of your word to illuminate, to reveal, and to heal every area we need so that we can give you glory. And now I pray miracles through these airwaves, miracles of provision, miracles of identity and restoration, miracles of truth and peace and joy, miracles of salvation for loved ones, miracles of healing and restoration in bodies. Give them back what the devil took from them. Give them the years, the cankerworm and the palmerworm and the caterpillar. Give them back time. Do in days and in weeks what could have took decades. I ask it now, and we'll be sure to give you all of the praise and all of the glory in the name of Jesus. If you agree with the man of God, somebody say, amen. Somebody say, it's already done. Amen. Well, we're so glad you were here. Bless you, Sister Natalie. Thank you for joining us. Sister Joema. so good to see you. Welcome. We're glad you're with us. I'm asking all of you that if you were impacted, here's what you can do. You can hit the share button. If you were impacted, if the word touched you, now, I know we went a little deeper than we normally go. But I want to tell you, this is not bread. It is not meat. It is not milk, but it is the meat of the word. It is not the 30-fold, the 60, it is the hundredfold. You're made for the glory. This this world knows it. Bless you, brother, brother Ray. So good to see you. Thank you for sharing. Claudine Welsh. bless you as well. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to encourage you. You were made for the glory. Bless you, Royal Queen. The Lord bless you. You were made for rulership. This is why this world flocks to the supernatural. Movies about superheroes, movies about magic and even sorcery, they run to it because they know something super is about them, something they feel it. And they can relate to that calling that a normal man, a normal woman, a normal boy or girl has an encounter with some kind of force and now becomes supernatural. They feel that whether it's Spider-Man, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, Bruce Banner, whoever it is, this normal person has some kind of encounter with a spider, some kind of accident with nuclear quantum physics, some kind of thing happens and the normal man becomes supernatural. You feel that. You want to know why? Because that's you. You're made to be sons and daughters of the King of Glory and to rule on his behalf. I agree for you and for your house, And God's going to get the glory. Bless you, Brother Daniel, as well. Please share the podcast. Thank you, all of you watching on our Charisma Podcast Network. The Lord bless you. If you were impacted, please share the podcast. Like the podcast. Let somebody know that we were on and that you were impacted. And we'll be sure to give God the glory. God bless you. We can't wait to hear and see you next week at our Charisma Podcast, our Freedom Global Prophetic Podcast. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Freedom Global Prophetic Podcast with Apostle Nathaniel Leon. Stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, or by liking us on Facebook at This Rock International. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.